This is the Born Offside Podcast. For all of you yesterday who chose waffles, turns out you were wrong. Last night saw some baguettes that you won't forget. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 25 of Born Offside. It's episode 25, mate. I went through yesterday to count all the different ones and we've renamed them and numbered them incorrectly. We're on 25, 25. That's the kind of service you get. Two men who are so consistently unable to do math, we can't even do basic counting. It is. It's incredible. And, uh, and the, the podcast that keeps on bringing uh, after previewing uh, uh, yesterday's Belgium versus France, uh, we will be reviewing it all today. Um, uh, Belgium uh, versus France. And then obviously we'll be previewing the big one, uh, England versus Croatia in the other semi-final of the 2018 World Cup. How does that sound, mate? Two th- ah. The other semi-final. Of the 2018 World Cup. Horrible. Well, we'll we'll brush this one under the carpet quickly. Uh, uh, Belgium uh, versus France. I'm sure you don't really want to be talking about it too much. But we have to cover it. I want to talk about this so we don't have to talk about the other thing. (laughs) The other thing will come. It will. (laughs) Well... It was a cagey affair in the end, like uh, like two animals in a cage trying to get out of the cage, and uh, and France got out, uh, but Belgium, Belgium, unfortunately, are still in that cage now. As we uh, as we look at them, sort of you know hands on uh, cage bars, shaking the cage, trying to get out of the cage. Uh, uh, now the French uh, have the key to that cage, and it's not very fun anymore. Uh, it's a big bully versus little waffle. Little waffle. This analogy uh, is all over the place. <laughs> and, and, mate, if anything, I will miss saying the word waffle. Mate, you waffle. don't have to miss it. The third, fourth playoff is coming. Belgium have booked their tickets for the bronze <laughs> medal match, mate. That's, don't you worry. We're going to be seeing Adnan Yanazai. We're going to be see Baby Hazard. All of them, mate, they're going to be back. Don't you worry. We will get to say waffle at least 20 Ah, oh, Thank goodness for that. Well, um, yesterday's match saw 13 Premier League players in that semi-final. Four for France and nine for Belgium, uh, uh, featured in the starting lineup, of which uh, um, all of them were Premier League players, plus one championship player. Pop quiz, do you know who it was? Oh, champion. Oh, I like quizzes. So, championship. So, we're talking English championship. Did he yep. start the game or did he come on? He started. He started. Okay, so I am methodically going to go through the lineups in my head. Uh, <laughs> so, Lloris plays for Tottenham, Hernandez plays, uh, Varane and Mtiti, no, Pavard plays in Germany, uh, Conte, Pogba, no, Griezmann. It's not French, he's not French, he's not okay. French. <laughs> Thank you for saving the listeners <laughs> from going through that. Uh, so, it's not Courtois, it's not Vertonghen, it's not company, it's not Alderweireld. Uh, it's not Fellaini unless he's recently signed for someone and I haven't known about it. Uh, <laughs> De Bruyne, oh Chadley, of course, must be Chadley. Nice Chadley. Chadley, well done. Well, not for long. Nice surely he'll be on his. He'll be off to some Premier League team somewhere. I would have thought Southampton now- would be a, a great fit for the likes of Nasser Chadley, no? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Anyway, he's still on the, the West Brom books, uh, so uh, we'll we'll deal with that one a little bit later. Uh, uh, but uh, whether Chadley decides to come to the best team in the world or not, it's really up to him. You know, uh, I think people will be whether... people will be listening into this podcast. You know, obviously there was a big transfer yesterday. They'll be wanting to know our opinion on on Ronaldo's move to Juventus, yes. and we're and we're talking about whether or not Nasser Chadley will go to Southampton. <laughs> And and who's next on the plane to Japan as well? So, uh, so <laughs> yeah, we will let's leave actually... that peacock until the end. More Chadley news. <laughs> More Chadley. Uh, no, Latest in, in the NASA Chadley diaries. Uh, Chadley comes home. Ding dong. Hi, honey. I'm home. Hey, how's it going? How was your day? Ah, oh, yeah, we lost. Oh, that's all right. Can you do the dishes, please? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sounds like my wife. Don't care. Don't care, mate. 
Look, okay. France is through. France is yes. through to the final with a goal from their biggest tit. Uh, and one, uh, and it was one up on Fellaini as well, which was nice uh, uh, there on the near post with a glorious header. And really, it was all a bit too much in the end for Hazard and De Bruyne and Lukaku and co. As uh, France progressed through to their first final since Zidane was sent off for headbutting a man who called his sister a bad name. Or uh, maybe even gave his sister a bad name. I don't know. Uh, we- <laughs> I, I've never, mate, I don't have a sister. Right. So I don't really know how to uh, also just, yes, we are going to talk at length now about the 2006 World Cup final. Um, (laughs) I've never had a sister, so I don't really know. But I do have a younger brother and you could pretty much say anything you like about him. And I would never (laughs) headbutt you for anything. Like you could say some of the most deprived and nasty things. And I would say, oi, don't do that. It's my brother. But I wouldn't headbutt you. Uh, as a man with a, as a man with a sister, w- would you headbutt someone if they said something like about your sister? I've just never really <laughs> bought that. It's something like it's the world. It's the World Cup final, and these people are paid millions and billions and billions to to not react to stuff like that, you know. So it's uh, I think it was a big shot. It's still ha- has it come out as well that it was uh, a, yeah, a, yeah. Is it, there anywhere? Zidane, is Zidane and Matarazzi have both independently said that's what. That's what it was. Uh, in oh. fact, I think, I think it. Um, I, I think Zidane told him could, um, told him to go fuck himself, and Matarazzi's response was, oh, "I prefer your sister." Which, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I see. Now look, that, that you look right. You were like, "Oh, headbutt." See? Did you did you lurch no, your head yeah. forward instinctively? <laughs> like, oh. Weirdly, I did. Hey, that's... Ah. So for all brothers out there who have got sisters, now you know. It's very, you know, and for those who don't, uh, uh, now you know. Get very protective uh, uh, over our uh, skin and blisters, as my, uh, my dad used to call, call her. He says, don't be my nasty to your skin and blister. Well, I'm not going to headbutt her, am I, dad? Uh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's good that you didn't headbutt your dad. Talking of headbutts, Samuel and Titi headbutted the ball in the back of the net for France last That's night. That's right. Mate, am, I the, uh, yeah. am, I the, am I the only one who feels it's a little bit of a shame that this game was won by that? goal i mean there were lots of actually as as there was only one goal in this match but there was actually lots of good stuff going on i thought hazard played incredibly well um and he was jinking and running and scurrying all over the place and de bruyne okay he didn't have a very effective evening but he seemed certainly up for it mbappe was um doing his party pieces Giroud was shit um And uh, Pogba, I thought, played well. Like it, it was like you know, you want the big players to play well in these big games, and for the and Pavard, 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 he played, he played well, and of course our man Conte played well. Uh, and you know, there threatened to be some very nice goals in that game, but mm. eventually it was one from a header from a corner. I know it felt like a little bit of well, a shame. You, you mentioned it actually a couple of podcasts ago uh, in regards to set pieces and in regards to some of these big, big, big games, how even the best teams many, many times end up resolving or at least getting the ball rolling with a set piece, uh, getting that first goal under their belts. Um, and because it was a semi-final and because France knew of the potential dangers that that uh, uh, Belgium could bring. I think they just went into their shell, and also because of uh, No Tooth Deschamps uh, as well. He's also uh, his sort of pragmatic views on on. He was always a holding def- uh, midfielder in 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 his heyday. So I think he's brought that into his side as well. Uh, that view of trying to be defensive first, and 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 then possibly hitting them on the break, or at least working your way up the pitch slowly uh, and keeping possession of the ball. So. I'm not totally surprised, um, but I am disappointed. I think it would have been it would have been nicer to obviously have had, you know, extra time and penalties like we were wishing for yesterday. Um, and, uh, you know, and something a, a bit of a the first half was very good. I thought the first half was there was chances on, on you know, for, for both sides. And and then the second half just got uh, just got cagey. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a little bit done. I mean, was was Martinez finally found out as well with his with his dodgy team selection on this one and dodgy substitutions in the second half? What uh, I what certainly think, think that his substitutes substitutions in the second they're losing one nil 
in the World mm. Cup semi-final and he made a substitution in the 91st minute. It's what? No, try 20 minutes ago, Bobby. Like, yeah. it really, like, what's the point of bringing on a second striker? Like, it was Batshuayi who he brought on, I think. Yes. What's the point doing it in the 91st minute? Like, you, you even saw Batshuayi's face, like, and when I saw him, I was like, you got five minutes, mate. You know, to do something. You know, poor guy. You know, he's probably not even going to get a touch of the ball. Um, it was, uh, it it was, it just. I mean, one substitution he did make was to bring Mertens on, and Mertens did st- suddenly start supplying uh, balls into the into the centre. But um, uh, he he really should have taken a taken a defender off, and he took Fellaini off, who. I know that we, you know, again, see him in not the greatest of lights, but he took Fellaini off at a time where I thought, you know, they could just stick him in the box, you know, and get get on the end of some of these crosses to try and now something. France have just done it to you, mate, you know, so just just go back and do it to them. It's uh, it was a bit strange. It was a, a yeah. A bit it was a weird one. I mean, that's the problem when you start with Fellaini, you can't bring Fellaini off the bench. <laughs> I, that's very true as well. Let that be a lesson to you, Martinez. Don't is start with it, is that. Again. It's not legal, right? To like take a like you it says. Let's say take Fellaini off at half time, and then keep him off no. until the seventieth minute, and then like bring him. No, you no. can't do that, can you? No, you know you can't. No, you can't. Once he's off, he's off, and that's that. Um, you know, and it was was it was it his mistake for the goal as well? I mean, like that was. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if Mtiti was his man, but he certainly found himself jumping for the ball with him uh, on the front post. And, uh, you know, even if he doesn't, I felt that even if he doesn't get the ball, and I think he knew he wasn't going to, because he was sort of coming onto a back run. I'm sure that at that moment in time, he should have realized and he should have tried to get his, his head in between the, the, the uh, Umtiti heading the ball and the goal. Um, but he didn't. He sort of half went up with half a shoulder to half try and head it. And I thought he was always going to lose that as well. So, and you could see by Fellaini's reaction as well. He, it, it looked, he was caught on cameras as sort of kind of looking down and swearing a little bit. Like, and I think he thought it was his fault as well. Um, and from that point onwards, he sort of disappeared anyway. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, wasn't the great, probably wasn't the greatest of matches. And I think a slight disappointment for those, for, you know, comparing uh, a Belgium and France in previous rounds where they've just, you know, been borderline spectacular, beating Brazil for Belgium, beating Argentina for France. You know, we, I think the whole world thought that they were going to see a real uh, humdinger of a match, but, uh, but it didn't really turn out that way, did it? No, I guess semifinals are always cagey affairs. Uh, there's so mm. much, so much at stake. I thought for, I thought, there was um, some fun moments in it. Uh, Mbappé with some back heels and stuff. The, the problem with playing Giroud that I see is, like, I understand that he has to play because other people are out to run off of him uh, and he holds the ball up pretty well and he brings others into play. The problem with him is that once you put him in front of goal, he's shit. And, <laughs> and he missed, whoa, I want to say, three very good chances. Or I mean... I would have given that an expected goals of one and he come out with none. So <laughs> I don't know. I felt, I felt like it would have been more if he'd, if he'd had his shooting boots on, not to use a cliche. And, and I think there's, there's a stat, which is, which is at the moment, which is like 13 shots on goals, zero goals uh, uh, at the moment f- throughout this tournament. And, uh, and did he, and Shuru, did he Shuru hasn't got one at all. No. Oh, no, God. he hasn't got. You just know he's going to get five in the final. Next <laughs> Fuck's sake. Uh, oh, God. No, don't say it. Um, but yeah, it, like, it, it, you know, no tooth nation has come under a lot, of, a lot of criticism in France now and a lot of pressure. Um, and I saw a French journalist, I was, I was uh, uh, watching a French journalist talk about it. He was talking about it in English, actually, on, on English TV. And, uh, and he was saying, he said two things. One, there's uh, a lot of pressure coming in at the moment for Deschamps uh, uh, because he needs to take uh, uh, Giroud off. But I think it is the correct decision he is making. We have trust in him. And uh, football is coming home, he said. Amen. Anyway, yeah, let's not get it, onto that. Send it in a French accent for the frogs, mate. For the frogs. What's what's French? Uh, what's French for coming home? Uh, uh, retourner à la maison. La foot retourner à la maison. 
Mbappe, Um, at, 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 at 19 years of age, get this, I was just reading about this uh, a little earlier as well. Messi was still on the bench for Argentina. At 19 years of age, Neymar had only played four times, uh, uh, and that was for Brazil in the Copa America. Uh, and I think there was another stat as well at 19 as well for Ronaldo, who had hardly um, uh, played that many times for, for Portugal as well. This guy... In this, he he play, like he seems to be playing with no fear. Doesn't how good is 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 Mbappe really? How good is he? Mate, at 19, I was drunk. <laughs> well done, thanks, mate. That's great. The whole All right, year. Well, that's, that's enough about Mbappe. <laughs> The whole year, like just you could stick a. If you had a timeline of my year, put a pin in it. You'd have a high percentage chance that I was drunk at that time. <laughs> So, and when, I know. Were you is playing Killian having drunk? more fun? No, no. <laughs> is Killian having more fun than me? I doubt it. Um, I was having a lot of fun. He's got more Twitter followers than I had when I was 19. Uh, he's very good. Um, the thing that's going on with me and Killian Mbappe is that, I don't know if you've seen this, mate, but Yoko Ono, uh, her who what married John Lennon, um, tweeted before the World Cup, Um, in fact, quite a bit before the World Cup in, in February, Yoko tweeted, who will win the World Cup? A child who believes in a peaceful world. This is, this is what Yoko Ono tweeted. Now, at, at the time, it's like, what the, shut up. What are you talking about? Go away. But now it seems almost like a prophecy with the child being <laughs> Kylian Mbappe. Because I don't know if you've read this, Mbappe is donating all of his um, money to charity. This is the thing that, lots of footballers do but it's being made a thing you know they're making a thing out of the fact that Mbappe is donating all of his money to charity mm. which just makes me think that this child who believes in a peaceful world is Kylian Mbappe <laughs> and Yoko Ono is the bloody oracle <laughs> oh he's not killing in the name of of anyone no 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 he's the peaceful child I'm looking back through back through Yoko Ono's tweets to see if she's predicted any more World Cup related things <laughs> You beauty. Right, well, it certainly wasn't Japan, unfortunately, that won the World Cup. So, uh, uh, sorry Look about that, Yoko. Look at you being in a dig on Yoko Ono. <laughs> she doesn't care. She might. She was probably hoping that the child was at least Japanese. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Come on, if she's patriotic at all. Well, I guess not. She's not, is she? She's, it's all about uh, world peace and stuff and everything. Fair enough. Uh, uh, um, is, she, is she religious? Is she religious? Could she believe that this is the second coming of Christ? Uh, I don't, I, Kylian I, Mbappe. I think that's going a bit far, mate. I think, well, I think I he's just very good yeah. at football. <laughs> Mate, football speaks on many different levels and in many different languages to many different people. Uh, religion speaks on many different levels, many different languages, many different people. Now, one is way better than the other, if you ask me, quite frankly. And, uh, and hopefully uh, one of these days, uh, religion go, can go to hell. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's not really all that important. That's not what we're here to discuss uh, or talk about. Uh, we're here to discuss is... Kylian Mbappe, the child prodigy and prophecy that has been prophesized by, by Yoko Ono. Great. Uh, answers on a postcard, please uh, uh, get them over to us. Uh, with that, I think we should take a short break and uh, uh, join us uh, in, this, in the next part where we'll be discussing some other stuff. Hey, Stuff. Belgium can still get the bronze. Maybe they'll give Bobby Martinez a bronze waffle for his coffee table. Nah, he'd probably try and eat it. And 
welcome back to part two uh, of our Born Offside podcast. Once again, follow us uh, through Dark Alleyways and on uh, Twitter and Facebook and subscribe to our podcasts. Uh, uh, write us uh, some, some notes and stuff and everything and we'll do our very best to get onto them. Um, uh, I, I do have something here that a listener has has brought up, and I, I think it's it's uh, before we get on to, to part three, talking about uh, uh, the next uh, the the next big semi final. I just thought it'd be a little bit of fun to talk uh, a little bit about a, a, cer a certain a certain Martin Keown, uh, who is working for BBC uh, BBC uh, at the moment, uh, uh, both as a pundit and also on BBC Radio uh, Five Live. I he's believe. the co-commentator, isn't he, mate? He does. He's doing what Americans call the the co-coms that's the co-coms he's the co-comma is he co yeah he's, he's the co-comma <laughs> He's the co-comer and uh, and yeah, and of course he's a pundit as well, and uh, and I've actually uh, stated I think in one of the podcasts uh, uh, earlier we'll have to go through them, um, but uh, where whereby I thought he said something stupid and came out with something stupid and uh, and he's managed to excel himself once again, um, and now this was uh, this I thought we'd just bring this up uh, during the England versus Sweden uh, match, Keown uh, in all the hype and everything which was which was the quarterfinal which of course is embroiling uh, uh, folk uh, all around the world, Brit English, English people all the way around the world, and of course everybody back home in England as well. And, uh, and, and during, the, <laughs> during the England versus Sweden match, uh, Keown said, said this, um, there might be someone back home reading a book, they need to get a life. Now, um, <laughs> Mate, I mean, I'm not quite sure how books are going to recover from that. Like, <laughs> it's it's quite a low blow, isn't it? It is, yeah. uh, and that's. I think he's uh, he's turning a few new pages uh, uh, to this uh, to this certain book. But um, it's uh, it's obviously uh, stirred a lot a lot of people up back home, uh, especially uh, people who are obviously not interested in football, but also people who are interested in football. And um, mate, you I think can't be interested, mate. Sorry, I have to stop you. You cannot yeah. be interested in both books and football. It's not possible. <laughs> you either like books or you like football. There has never been anybody who liked both. You could perhaps <laughs> like books about football. I might allow that. But generally speaking, <laughs> pretty early on in life, you make a choice. Books, football. You and I have chosen football. I haven't touched a book for years. Um, <laughs> this is, so we're agreeing with what Monkey said. Yeah. This is what... <laughs> We're not in any way agreeing with what Mike Khan Keown said. This age-old silent battle between books and football that has been raging that no one's had the, the balls to talk about. Martin Keown has finally got one in there for football. <laughs> well done, Martin. And considering that football officially has only existed for about 100 years, obviously books were all the rage uh, before that, until the 1800s. And when football started coming in, books obviously felt threatened. And yes. uh, they, they thought, hang on a sec, we're not having any this this no 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 come on literature hey ladies and jelly jelly spoons please back to literature again uh but uh, they they're, they're obviously uh, fighting a losing battle here because martin keown has bravely come out and said what all football nerds <laughs> have been thinking for the last hundred years oh this is better than reading a book <laughs> yes so, so I thought I thought I'd go through and actually have a look at some of the other things that Martin Keown has been saying. And actually, oh there's, there's a couple of there's actually a few pages worth of of uh, uh, yeah, uh, sort of websites and stuff on stuff Martin Keown has stupidly said. Oh. How the how the BBC have have continued to to do so? I, I you know and continue. So I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to go through uh, a lot of the stuff that he's been saying uh, uh, whilst he's been a pundit uh, during the Premier League because a lot of the stuff that's come out is stuff that he's been saying about Arsenal, about Wenger, about uh, uh, lots of different uh, uh, teams in the Premier League as well. And um, But just stuff that he's said here uh, during the World Cup. So... Um, now, during during the Belgium versus Japan match, um, you you may have uh, uh, you may have noticed, you may not have noticed, but uh, he came out with uh, during his one of his co-commentating uh, 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 episodes, he came out with Belgium are the Harlem Globetrotters of football, and Japan are just busy bees. Um, now, <laughs> sounds like something we would say, but we're a. Two idiots and a podcast. He's a paid professional. That's uh, 
unbelievable and of course that that sort of stirred a lot of stuff up you know he's you know has he actually ever seen the harlem globetrotters do the, does he know what they're all about you know because they're like you know amazing sports uh, sport people but comedians you know fundamentally you know that it's it's all about comedy uh and uh you know what which which side is he taking on this we're not sure marijuana and fellaini is quite comical to look at that's very true he is so maybe he was going on that side if that's the truth if that's the case then um martin keown is a genius but i don't think so <laughs> i don't think he knows really what the Harlem Globetrotters is all about. But there we go. And uh, calling the Japanese just busy bees, I think, as well as a little condescending to the poor Japanese are just running around going, they're just busy bees. Uh, again, you and I could could say this on, on this podcast, but that's because this podcast is not really uh, aimed uh, towards, uh, uh, you know, that kind of sort of side of professional uh, commentating. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it was unbelievable. And what, one of the other things he said, and this was just yesterday, he came out with this one. He said, Antoine Griezmann, this was in the, the, the preview of the, the French match. Antoine Griezmann um, uh, is like an eel when he runs with the ball. <laughs> He's so quick and slippery. So Mate, I'd like I, to put I, it... <laughs> I'm going to put forward a theory here. If you were to place an eel upon a football pitch, it wouldn't do all that well. I mean, I think there's some dogs who would do very well. Like, It'd have uh, to be a, I have a wet dog, slicked down with oil. <laughs> no, then... I have, my, I have, my dog would do a very good job of, um, he'd certainly be able to get the ball off Giroud, Um but Yeah, but would it be quick and slippery? I don't think so. You need the oil. No, but it's just silly. The idea <laughs> of Anton Griezmann is an eel. Like, I just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was what was going through his mind. So I thought maybe uh, in in the future, uh, uh, when we start uh, uh, drawing this uh, podcast to a conclusion, one of the questions we might go through is who else in this World Cup has excelled and played like an eel. Um, I think that's what we we needed a top five eels for the tournament so far. I think that's what uh, that's one of the things we'll go for, um, and uh, and and yeah. So like he's come out with a couple of others, but I'm not going to go into it because we won't have enough time uh, uh, to deal with everything else. But uh, you know, so so I mean, but basically, apart from being an ugly ex Arsenal thug uh, who doesn't read, uh, he also uh, he also says stupid stuff on the air. So uh, I think that was common knowledge. But uh, I, I like I liked him when he was I liked him when he was attacking books, but these whole eel thing i'm not so sure about <laughs> he's taking another he's taking a, a a different view obviously on on that one he couldn't think of any sort of you know extra uh, extra things to go on for books so he went for the eels anyway uh uh, uh good stuff uh, right right into us or or, uh, or text us uh, uh uh or or tweet us uh, and tell us uh, things that you think uh, uh, commentators and pundits have said, which are completely ridiculous, because uh, we, uh, we love a little bit of that. And that's always a bit of fun as well. So, uh, all right, without further ado, let's take a little bit of a breather and uh, we'll come back with part three, where we'll be, will we, will, will be, can you help me get that one out? No, where we, we, where Croatia we, and England, aren't where, we? thank you. Croatia and England will be coming to you soon after this break. We did a whole section on Martin Keogh. <laughs> we did. All right, let's go. Let's move. Martin Keown hates books. Finally, someone brave enough to publicly give books the kicking they deserve. We're going to part three. Welcome back. And I hope you enjoyed that extra, that small section on Martin Keown. I think if Martin's listening, he should actually feel privileged because if he knows our podcasts, uh, as I'm sure he does, um, it's not often that a, uh, a particular person gets a whole section uh, just for themselves, especially someone who's not actually playing football uh, as well. So uh, uh, I hope you enjoyed that, Martin. And uh, uh, we will now uh, move on to the big one, the one <coughs> that we, excuse me, that we've all been waiting for, uh, the, the creme de la creme of all football matches and has been for, uh, for many, 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 many a year. I don't know how many, how many? Since 28. The last, uh, 28. Okay, okay, 28 years. <laughs> and if we go back to 66 as well with the possibility, we'll talk about that later though. Uh, Croatia versus England. Now, mate, mm -hmm. in an earlier podcast, mm -hmm. you said, mm -hmm. 
because oh, you said like, what, what, what do you want? What do you expect from England? And you mm -hmm. said, I just want 11 blokes to go out onto the field and have a little bit of fun. Now, I'd like to ask you, have they had fun? Mate, unquestionably they've had fun. Have you not seen the pictures of Harry Maguire leaning on, leaning on the sidelines, talking to his girlfriend? Like, you can't tell me that's a man who hasn't had fun. <laughs> uh, mate, that's actually his sister, by the way. <laughs> no, it's, is it? no, it's his girlfriend, isn't it? Oh, I read it was his sister. Because <laughs> oh, his family think... went there. His, fa his whole family were down there. I think it's his girlfriend. Anyway, I don't know. Oh, okay. um, if it is his sister, mate, sisters are coming <laughs> up a lot in this podcast. Um, let's move swiftly on. Have they had fun? Yes, I think undoubtedly they've had fun. Uh, I've had a lot of fun just trying to understand what Jordan Pickford is saying. It's very difficult <laughs> to understand him. Uh, but the thing is, yes, I did say that I just want them to have fun. And if tonight, if we were playing Germany or if we were playing France or if we were playing Brazil or you know, someone like that, I would be like, doesn't matter what happens. We've already had fun. We've come so far. We've overachieved. But we're playing Croatia, mate. We can beat Croatia. It's not outlandish to think that England can beat Croatia. I know this is not the ultimate test of which team is better than the other, but before any team plays any other team, I always do the how many players would be in the combined 11 type thing. And I think if we did a Croatia-England combined 11, it's about five and six I, Croatia's goalkeeper is better, I would say. Uh, but I wouldn't take either of the central defenders. Lovren, Lovren was taken to school by Harry Kane earlier on mm. in the Premier League season at Wembley. Like, Lovren was so, so much on the end of a whoop-ass from Harold Edward Kane that he had to be substituted <laughs> in the 31st minute. That's how badly Harry took him to town. Anyway, so I wouldn't take Lovren. I wouldn't take Vida because he has a horrible haircut. <laughs> I wouldn't take. I wouldn't take either. He's good of though. He's good. He's very good, Vida. I don't. Nah, no. Okay. Horrible. Okay. No. I wouldn't take either of their fullbacks. Obviously, you absolutely would take their central midfield. You completely would. You'd probably yep. take Perisic, uh, and I think Rebic is is very good and fast and and, and perhaps underrated. But uh, Kane is a better player than Mandzukic. Mandzukic is very underrated. Mandzukic has won a lot of things. He's a very but. You can't tell me that if you put them on the open market tomorrow that Mandzukic is going to fetch a higher price than Harry Kane. He's well, Mandzukic is, is like 32 years old and he's, he's carrying this, this, this thing on his shoulders, I think, because he's actually had a very bad tournament. And, um, you know, if, 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 it, if it was up to me, I'd seriously consider thinking about changing him. But he does bring a lot of he's, – he's, he's doing like Giroud. You know, he is bringing a lot to the team. He's holding the ball up. He's, he's, he's bringing other players into play. He's a wily campaigner. But, as well, Mandzukic. Mandzukic yeah, is, yeah. is one of those hook or crook, like get you over the line type players. Anyway, yeah, yeah. the point is, it's not outlandish to think that England could beat Croatia. It's, it's not, I think it's, you know, probably like a 55-45 game, slightly in their favour, but they've also played. So, mate, this is, we will never, ever, ever have the opportunity <laughs> to beat a team like Croatia in order to get to the World Cup bloody final. The biggest... Yeah. Biggest sporting event in the world, mate. Probably the biggest event, the most important thing in the world. If <laughs> the only thing that could be more important than the World Cup final is if Trump pushes the nuclear button tomorrow, right? That's the only thing which is more important than football at this level. That's quite a sweeping <laughs> statement. I might want it to. It is think a very <laughs> Mate, you and Martin Keir have been sharing tea. <laughs> thinking about things like child poverty and the AIDS crisis and thinking perhaps those are more important. But anyway, it's We're still, all with you. Though. People who listen a, to this podcast are with you. Don't worry. It's Go. a very important thing. It's a huge thing, the World Cup final. And there are yes. people, who, mate, who live an entire lifetime and never see their team make it to a World Cup final. Yes. But, so while... I, you're right. All I wanted them to do was have fun. Through the virtue of having had some fun, we now find ourselves with an amazing opportunity to get to the World Cup final. Um, it is. So, it's pretty so this is making I mean me incredibly nervous, anxious. Um, I, there's several people, like I've had several French friends who've written to me and they've written, see you on Sunday. No, don't write that to me. 
no don't fight your french bastards like leave it alone don't talk about i mean honestly this podcast is a little difficult for me i don't want to talk about it because i feel like if i talk about it i'm going to jinx it in some way shape form or manner of other thing i as you know i'm a deeply superstitious person <laughs> when it comes to football the rest of life i don't believe in any of that crap at all i think it's totally but for football uh, one of the things i'm particularly worried about is that these are the things that, that my superstitions in the kind of rank of order importance one underwear that i'm wearing on the day of the game <laughs> two like it's lucky pants is a thing i've washed them don't worry peeps they're ready um <laughs> two is the venue at which i'm watching it so you know this for a fact, mate. If I go and watch a big game and my team loses at that venue, I will not go back to that venue to watch. <laughs> not going to happen. However, should I be at a venue and my team were to win, that is a lucky venue. I shall be going back there again. Um, <laughs> the game kicks off at 3 a.m. here in Korea. Uh, and there's a pub, uh, for those of who know anything about Korea, it's a pub in Itaewon. So it takes about 40 minutes to get from where I'm staying to this pub. Uh, at three in the morning, why would you get up, get dressed, spend 40 minutes going into the middle of the city to, you know, you, I've got a perfectly good TV with, with it and I'll have a better view. It's because the venue is lucky. Also, the people who are with you are lucky. So my missus is having to get up and come with me, even though she's like, <laughs> what? No. I mean, I hope you guys win and everything. I'm like, no, you don't have a choice. You have to come. <laughs> So, so I then also, mate, I feel like if I talk about it too much, like if we get into the particulars of, you know, will Harry Maguire have a good game? What's Kyrian Trippier's form like? You know, is Rakitic going to... Any of that stuff, I potentially could curse by saying something <laughs> like, I don't know, I could say, like I've already said, Vida's haircut is terrible. He's not very good. That's, that's a goal for Vida right there, mate. We're, we're going to have to <laughs> score two to win this game. And it's my fault. So if you don't mind, mate, you talk about it. And I'll just make noises about how worried I am about it. <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see the progression uh, of how you have come along since day one of this podcast to, to this moment, to this very moment where everything has obviously just been building, but almost building in, in, in a kind of, um, I'm just going to brush it off kind of way. It ain't important. It's all good. I want them to have fun. I want them to, oh, they've won. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's good. I'd like them to win now. I think it would be, yeah, but so, no, just don't want them to have fun. Still want them to have fun. So, okay. So who, uh, who have we got now? Okay, Colombia. We're probably going to lose. We'll put the defeatist hat on. Then we won't be disappointed. Let's yes. just go for that. I love that we'll hat. It's my favorite <laughs> hat. I live in that hat. It's a beautiful hat. It's a very English hat, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, less, it's, it's a very English way of doing things as well. Um, and, then, and then let's get, let's, we've got Sweden. Oh, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Sweden in the quarterfinal. But no, no, no. We, we better not lose this. <laughs> We're gonna, mate, but, mate so, I was saying things like you know. Sweden are a very good team. Sweden aren't a very good team. They're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it was full of bullshit. It was so bullshit. But you were. You were still with that half-defeatist uh, uh, hat on, just in case. Just in case. Yes, of course, we'll be disappointed. Now, now comes the crunch. And I, I put this to you, and this will actually make, make you feel a little bit better uh, uh, as well. England have actually had uh, – I've been looking it up and uh, reading about it. England, uh, uh, apart from the, the defeat to Belgium, haven't, haven't lost this year. Um, they've been playing. Uh, uh, they've been playing okay. They've been playing good football, but they haven't necessarily been playing against uh, great teams. Um, and I think this is where, you know, the real test. I mean, if we, if we, if uh, taking friendlies aside, we obviously we drew to to Italy uh, uh, back in March. That's a pretty good result. We beaten the Netherlands, but the Netherlands, well, yeah, you know. Um, uh, back in, in 2017, uh, we drew, uh, uh, admittedly at home to Germany and Brazil. Um, and you know, but these are friendlies, you know, getting, getting into the competitive side of things, uh, after the two friendly wins, uh, uh that we had coming into the world cup, uh, uh, as well, we were looking at, um, you know, and we did very well in the qualification periods as well, two, one against Tunisia, uh, you know, which was, 
you know, a little bit tight and everything, but it was, it was okay. It was good. This, this complete thrashing of Panama, which was just some kind of weird, surreal thing from another planet, uh, which England have never even seen before. So didn't even know how to react to. And then the defeat to Belgium, of course, which kind of made everyone just sort of feel a little bit sort of like marshmallowy. And, you know, well, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Okay. We're on the easiest side of the draw, but let's not talk about it. You know, such has been the disappointment over the many, 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 many years that England have, have had that it's been very, very tough to deal with. They came through against, against Colombia in what was a really exhilarating penalty shootout, which, which completely, I think, transformed everybody back, back home, for sure, you know, back in England and, uh, and all, all the English around the planet, um, to suddenly thinking, we are on the easy side of the draw. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, okay, because we've got Sweden and we've got, you know, whatever. But we, we are on the easiest side of the draw. We're, we've got to consider ourselves pretty lucky that we've missed uh, uh, the likes of France and, and Belgium and Brazil and uh, Argentina, you know, and we're suddenly on this side of the draw and we've, we, we do have a chance. Now, uh, the thing is, the thing is about this, and I, I hate to bring you back down, <laughs> back down to earth. And maybe I can say this again, because I'm, uh, you know, it's not so partisan towards England. Obviously, again, want England to do well, but, this is the first time, in, 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 certainly in 2018 and possibly 2017, that England are going to be really tested. Because the Croatia match is, yes, I know that you've just said that, there's a, that there is a possibility of winning. You're right. There is. So how do you approach this? How do you get through uh, uh, this, this, this hurdle? Um, I heard a lot of people talking about the fact that Croatia played two 120-minute matches plus two very emotional uh, penalty shootouts. England have had one, so they've also had their fair share. And although it was a bit of a breeze against Sweden, um, that uh, that match against Colombia would have also counted towards the 120 minutes as well. So it's it's really it's this match um, is is difficult to call. But I, I as if I'm a non-England supporter. And if I'm an, a supporter from any country, from anywhere around the world, I, I, I'm saying that Croatia are the favourites uh, for, for this. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Croatia win, win this game ha, by however much, you know, because, uh, you know, things can happen. So far, the biggest problem I think England have had is that Southgate, for as much as everybody loves him, as much as everyone thinks that he's the nicest guy in the world, he's not come up against anything as serious as what this is. And that's really surreal to think that it's taken up until the semifinals of the World Cup for him in his managerial career so far to come up against a game of such importance. And, and I, I cast your mind back to, to the Colombia match before that. He was saying that, that that game was the biggest match that England have had in, in, in over a decade, you know, in a decade. This match now, I would say, is the, is the biggest game that they've had since 1966 you know, to, to shake off those demons. I, I, mean, I mean, even bigger than, than the 1990 semifinal, because I, I'm sorry to say, I, I, I always had a feeling during that one that Germany were going to win, and I think everybody did. And the fact that they won on penalties was not nice, obviously, but, um, you know, uh, I, I just think that this game is, it is so huge. You know, it is so huge. Uh, that said, if England lose, uh, I, you know, England are going to go back to England and they're going to have a hero's welcome, right? They, they really are, you know, because they've brought something back. I think even English supporters don't exactly know what they've brought back. You know, they don't understand the, the nature of this football team. How have we managed to get to the semifinals? How have we been considered one of the top four teams uh, in the world? Um, it, it's 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 kind of weird. I don't know how England have got there. Is it through skill? No. Is it through determination? Ah, uh, is it? It could be. Is it through really good defensive qualities? Uh, it's through conga. It's the power of the conga. Four slightly drunken-looking white men in a row at a corner. Kieran Tripp sticks up his arms and goes conga, and then. We unleash set pieces that no one can live with. Um, May, I mean, uh, I, I've already asked, said that I don't want to talk, to talk about it. Yeah, you, you did. And you yeah, talked, you, and I don't agree yeah. with most of what you said, but I'm not going to disagree with it on this podcast <laughs> for fear of cursing myself. I will say one thing, that if it goes Careful. to penalties, we will lose. 
simply by virtue of the fact that Superstitch's penalty save rate is something ridiculous, like 65%. Yeah, yeah, it is. 66-65%. Which is just ridiculous. Um, Yeah, but but consider consider as well that he's had more penalties to save, although that doesn't necessarily obviously go towards the odds, but... Well, and then also in the last match... The, the Russians were penenkering them into his arms as he laid on the floor at the side. Thank you. <laughs> um, but no, Superstitch is a, a quality goalkeeper when it, when it comes to the, the saving of penalties. And I honestly don't think that I could live through a penalty shootout. Um, oh I, my, I, my heart would explode. I'd probably just die. <laughs> so, I mean, the only thing oh. I ask is this, if we do lose, if we do lose, can we lose in a just kind of, routinely boring way just like i don't know a goal what like belgium uh, like a deflected yeah like belgium lost like a deflected goal that that goes in and it's not really anyone's fault and it's one nil and then uh they get another one on the break in the second half and they i don't want any last minute equalizers i don't want any penalty shootouts no bloody drama please if we're going to lose if we lose can we lose boringly if we win i don't care how i really do not care how we win i will make anything i would do i really now would offer up to the football gods four toes four toes of anyone's choosing you can have them anyone's choosing so not your toes someone else's toes oh yeah i didn't think about that i was i was i was genuinely offering my toes but you know if you were going to lose toes you choose the two smooth ones on either foot but i'm such as my gesture is that i'm saying you can choose whichever toe you like you can't you can't balance without the two ones on the outside though you'd be falling over all that yeah you need you need the middle ones i reckon uh no, <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't want to get rid of your big toe would you because your big toe is kind no, of a, the big toes are definitely it's like oh don't that's your harry that's your harry Maguire right there so yeah. you, you don't get rid of yeah, you don't get rid of him um, or her. Um, as a him, um, it's, it's, if it's on us, it's on me. Um, yeah, it's. I, th- I think that's beautiful, mate. That's a beautiful one. You'd, you'd give away four toes, two on either foot. Got, well, could they have four? You could take one foot? all. Yeah, if you. I mean, if you were a vindictive, nasty bastard and you wanted four toes <laughs> off on one foot, the offer still stands. You can have it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail about my and this is just to get into fun. the final right this is just yes. to get into the final. oh yes definitely <laughs> what Man, would you give to win to the win final the <laughs> to see harry kane pick up the world cup trophy and oh rub it God. in anton griezmann's face oh <laughs> i think almost anything i'd certainly, <laughs> I'd certainly give up my unborn children you can have them um i give up your children they can have them thanks uh, thank you <laughs> Like all of the money in my yeah. bank account for sure. You can have all of that. Um, right. <laughs> That's not much, mate. So stop it. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I can only give what I have, mate. I, you know, I can't give what I haven't yeah, got. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, uh, if it's someone else's toes, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to go and get them. Uh, yeah, I murder, murder. That's an interesting one as no, well. I wouldn't, so, uh, I wouldn't kill anyone and I wouldn't promise anyone else's okay. toes. Uh, and I wouldn't, wouldn't kill in the name of my own life. No, but you can have whatever. Okay. Like, take a look at all my stuff. You can have whatever you want. Pretty much. <laughs> all of it. That's yeah. it. All of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Well, um, look, we could talk till the cows come home, obviously. But uh, yeah, let's. Uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a great night. I think it's gonna be fantastic. And I, I'm a little bit different to you. I'd love penalties. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I would You're love. Addictive bastard, you are. I would love penalties. <laughs> But then I'd love England to win. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be happy for England to lose, but I would love penalties and I think it would just be great. Uh, but yeah, you see, you see the angle I'm coming from. So uh, um, <coughs> either way, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. And it's going to be one of those games that, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I think you're, you're completely doing the right thing by going to a bar in, in Ite One to watch it at three o'clock in the morning. I think that's, it's, it's a very, very correct uh, uh, thing to do because these kinds of moments in life, you know, the other day, actually, I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it have been nice if Portugal was still in it? I really, it, it would have been, it, it cast me back as well to the time when we were chatting 
uh, about one of us is going to go home early. Um, but yeah, like I, I really do think, you know, it would, it would have been so nice if, if it was just an England-Portugal final for the, for the sake of this podcast as well. Um, but yeah, look, it's going to be a special, special night, I think, tonight. Either, either way, it's going to be one to remember. So, um, um, all right. Uh, let's, uh, we're going to take a very, very quick break and we're going to come back and we'll very quickly just talk about uh, uh, something non-World Cuppy, um, and, but it'll only be for a couple of uh, very quick minutes. So uh, just hold on to your horses. That was part three. This is part four. It's not about the World Cup, but it is about football. So keep listening. You muffin munchers. And we're back. And we've managed to get through uh, Belgium versus France, uh, in which France, of course, have booked their first uh, uh, place in the final since uh, since that Zizou uh, episode. And uh, we've uh, covered as much as we can about England and Croatia as well. Um, but uh, I would just thought we, we would just finish this one off with, with a non-World Cup related story. Uh, but there is a story very quickly about Cristiano Ronaldo moving to Juventus. Um, and and the, there's only one real sort of reason. I don't want to talk about Ronaldo, uh, uh, really, to be honest. I want to talk about what happens uh, next at Real Madrid. But a, for, for those who don't know, Ronaldo has moved at the age of 33 to Juventus uh, for £100 million. And, I think it's um, actually £99 million. 99 points something or something yeah i think so uh um and it's but he's he's uh, from from what's reported is he's getting the same uh, uh deal that real madrid offered him uh to stay uh he's getting uh, the same yeah same amount of money everything is uh, pretty much exactly the same um but uh, there's been a lot of discussion as to why he's actually moved because it doesn't really make much sense, does it, for a 33-year-old? No, mate, to, I actually, I actually disagree. I actually think this is a really smart deal from all three perspectives, from Real Madrid's perspective, from Juventus' perspective, and from uh, the players' perspective. I think uh, Ronaldo is better off playing in a league which is essentially slower uh, which mm-hmm. Syria A is. It's, it's a slower league. Uh, it's a less technical league. And I think physically, it'll be a little bit less demanding. He's now a striker, right? He's not a winger like he used to be. He's mm-hmm. a penalty box player. And I think a penalty box strikers can, can thrive in Italy. Uh, I think Juventus, um, and not just Juventus, but the Italian league, are famous for getting the most out of players in their 30s. Uh, Milan famously mm. did it, and then, and then Juventus are doing it now. You look at how, how long Pirlo lasted. I think that they, they know more about getting the most out of 30-plus-year-olds than, than anywhere else in the world. So I think from that point of view, it makes a lot of sense for, for Ronaldo. Uh, I think he needs the new challenge, which I, I don't think is a bad thing. He, he can go win go win the league title in Italy and then you'll have the English, the, the Spanish and um, the English, the Spanish and the Italian league Italian, titles. Yep. He's, he's won a whole hat full of Champions Leagues. They'll, I just think they'll look after him better. And so I think it's a very smart move on his part. Juventus needs the brand name. They, Juventus have not bought a 33-year-old striker. Juventus have bought CR7. They've bought yeah. that that brand and uh, they struggle to put, to compete with the Premier League and even with, with um, La Liga or the big two in La Liga in terms of commercial revenue. Uh, you've seen from like things that they've done with the changing of their logo and also the, uh, the Netflix documentary that, that you can watch that where they've allowed uh, cameras in to follow them. They are trying to make themselves into a global brand. And this is a wonderful shortcut into making yourself because especially in places like the United States, soccer, soccer is framed as Messi versus mm-hmm. Ronaldo. And so now you've got one of those. It's not actually about that anymore. There's all of these other players coming through. Uh, Messi and Ronaldo went home in the last 16 of the World Cup. It, it tells you that, that but, but commercially it is framed as this great player against that great player. And now you've, you've got that, you know, that goat as it were. And for Real Madrid, a hundred million pounds for a 33 year old is just insane money. You don't turn that down. You take it while you can get it. Madrid are a team, uh, Madrid are an institution that need money because they, they spend based on what they're borrowing. They've got a massive debt, which they can service because they have huge revenues, but still for a 33 year old, because I mean, you give him a new contract and he winds it down and then you lose him. There is no, there's no hundred million pound payoff. 
no, I think I think you were hundred percent right in when you said that the most interesting thing about this because I think it's it's a really smart move for all three parties. The really interesting thing is who do Madrid get to replace him? Mm, yes. So we yes, absolutely. What well, I wanted to to bring that up and just straight out, like if you. Because we all know that uh, the Real Madrid have been, you know, very keen on on a, a, a number of uh, a number of players, but the two that uh, have been constantly coming up, certainly in the last year or so, are Mbappe and Hazard. And just if you were Real Madrid, you're not Perez, you're not Ronaldo, you're not the team, you know what? You are Real Madrid uh, as a club, as a as a unity. Who would you who would you prefer out of Mbappe and Hazard? Because you can't really get both, because both of them are going to cost in excess of two hundred million for sure. Um, possibly Mbappe would cost more because he's only just he's technically still on loan, isn't he? I, I don't know how that would work. No, the uh, because... PSG PSG this summer have to pay that money. So he he was technically on loan last year, but the 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 terms of the agreement mean that this coming summer they have to pay the 160 million so psg are in an interesting situation because in order to reach the fifa financial fair play or the uefa financial mm-hmm. fair play thing they actually there was a, a thing in i think it was the telegraph or the times they have to raise 80 million uh euros so a little bit less in in pounds but they have to raise 80 million euros before they'll be allowed to compete in the champions league not this year but next year so they have mm. to they have to do that by the end of this transfer window. So they can buy players, but they have to sell to the value of more than uh, of eighty million. So to me, that suggests that one of Neymar and Mbappe has to go because uh, they yeah they do have they do have Draxler, but I don't think they're going to sell Cavani, for example. Um, well, they got Di Maria, who was they were talking about Di Maria going. Um, but if they want to bring in anyone new. They're going to have to sell one of those two. You're right. They could probably sell Di Maria and Draxler, and that would probably get you to around 80 million euros. Yep. In and around that. But then you've lost two players out of the squad, not replaced it in with anyone. I, I honestly think the PSG are looking at Neymar and thinking you're too much. You're more trouble than it's worth. Like ah. That's another thing as well, yeah. But I don't think Real Madrid are that interested in Neymar as well. I think it's more Hazard and Mbappe. Although Neymar has been touted as well. So very. Very interesting to see what happens in this next week because I think it'll happen pretty soon. I think it'll happen uh, just just after the World Cup finishes, and it's it's interesting as well because like we all know that players in the past have inflated in value after the World Cup, but I don't think this is really a case. Not with that huge transfer uh, by uh, you know of of Neymar last year because that just kind of blew everything out of proportion you know it was there was no way things were going to get anywhere near that and then suddenly bang there it was on the table 200 mil you're like what you know nothing had come any anywhere near it it inflated Coutinho's price as well I'm mm-hmm. sure he wouldn't have gone for 136 um, Dembele as well that was just ridiculous you know and it it, it inflated all and it's inflated prices all across the world, we've seen that happen in this last year. You know, uh, uh, just two, three years ago, you wouldn't dream of of paying some of the some of the prices that you're paying for some of the some of the players. We were still talking about Andy Carroll going for 35 mil. Uh, you know, being being ridiculous. Now it still is know, ridiculous, that... even with this inflated market. Andy Carroll going for more than a packet of crisps and some bibs is ridiculous. <laughs> Oh dear! So, so it'll be very, very interesting. And uh, I know it's not World Cup related, but I thought it would be an interesting one to bring up, seeing as uh, uh, as it is quite a major uh, event in world in world football. Um, all right, mate, okay. Mate, so I think I think the big one for me yep. is you can't have Harry Kane. Like you can't have him. <laughs> I don't I don't care if you need someone on pens next year. You can't have him Real Madrid. <laughs> Get lost. I don't. I don't think they want him. I don't know why. I don't, just, I don't know he's why. He's just signed a new contract, hasn't he, with Tottenham, actually. He's just signed a new six-year yeah. deal. So, I'd, 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 I think Tottenham would have more to fear of Pochettino leaving. But now the, uh, all, these, uh, uh, all these spots seem to be filling up, you know, and Pochettino seems to be staying. So, uh, you know, that was one big fear with Real Madrid as well. Were they going to, 
you know, go for Pochettino or not. Argentina national squad. They've been talking about Pochettino going there. Uh, actually, they were talking about Guardiola going to the Argentina national squad. That's an interesting one as well. But I don't think he'll he'll move. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's obviously you know I think that was more of a of a concern. But I don't think you need to be too concerned uh, about. I mean, I think maybe Christian Eriksen would be the kind of player that might go to something like Real Madrid uh, for not as much money as they would pay for, for Harry Kane. Um, but I just don't think that, that, that they're interested in, in, in Harry Kane uh, as a striker. They should, they should be because they've got Benzema up front and now with Ronaldo going, uh, you know, they're going to, but if they're going to bring him, you know, you know, if you're going to choose between Mbappe and, and Kane, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but <laughs> Mbappe, Mbappe, Mbappe going to Real Madrid, yeah. Mbappe not Kane. That's the sound of Jason Pelham paying you out with the Mbappe. Because <laughs> we really should All leave. Right. We should. We're going to go. And uh, the tension is rising. Oh, my God, it's so stressful. I can't deal with it anymore. It's just crazy. And I'm not even a full England supporter, and I can feel the stress and the tension. Dave, you Come must on, be... Going through it. it. You must be going through it, mate. And for all our listeners out there, you know, just spare a thought. This is huge. We've we've laid it all down. We've said it, said it all. The, the, the years of hurt, the years of pain, the years of waiting. It's all coming to a head now against Croatia tonight. All right. So <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. All right, Dave, are you okay? No. <laughs> Oh. We'll be back tomorrow. We will be back tomorrow, won't we, Dave? We will. I hope so. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. I just can't guarantee in what state of mind. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening once again. And uh, uh, w- uh, once again, sign up and uh, subscribe. And we shall be listening to you guys uh, and come back to you tomorrow. Come on, Bye, everyone. Come on, Bye. Fellas. Bye. <laughs> Three lines on the shirt. <laughs> please come home. Please come home. Just please come home. Please. 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 Three.